Today's episode is a topic close to my heart, the unperfect women God uses, and it's inspired and dedicated to a lady close to my heart. So listen in. Welcome to the Unperfect Podcast. I'm your host, Shelly Sneed, and it's my desire that if life finds you feeling imperfect, you'll see a few glimpses of glory while hanging out here in between the now and the not yet. You're not alone. Hope and probably a little bit of humor are on the way. Hello, my unperfect friends. So this past weekend, I attended a celebration of life service for my Aunt Shaba. She was 75 years old, which is so hard for me to believe because I still think of her as this 44-year-old wife and mom that she was when I met her over 30 years ago. It's so weird how our minds do that. Like, I don't even think of myself as 51. It's like your brain just kind of freezes time and age for yourself and others. But anyway, though she was my husband's aunt, she treated me like I was her own niece. She treated my kids like they could have been her own grandkids. She was an absolutely beautiful person inside and out. And this episode is not going to be a eulogy because we had plenty of time for that as a family this past weekend. Plus, most of you don't know her, so this wouldn't be the time or the place necessarily for that. However, I did have some pretty big emotions over the weekend, and I've really been curious just trying to figure out what was going on with me, in addition to just the grief of losing her to heaven, and I'm doing air quotes around the word losing because we didn't really lose her. We know where she is. Um, Or just, you know, how much of this was my everyday hormones that make me cry over pretty much everything. But I've come to, I guess you could call it an epiphany over the last 24 hours. And I believe it has not only given me some clarity, but some biblical motivation and encouragement as well that I think you'll gain some insight from too. So a little background here on Aunt Shaba. Many of the stories and memories told about Aunt Shaba this weekend were hilarious, and it would take hours to share them all here. Um, But like the car that she drove, which was a Vista Cruiser, but it got nicknamed the Vista Crusher because of how many animals she hit with it. My cousin Lottie even remembers some story involving a herd of pigs or something that she hit. I don't know. I didn't get the lowdown on that. My husband remembers, though, that she lived near a street called Three Dog Road that the family affectionately began calling Two Dog Road because she may have taken out um, one of the dogs on it. Another story I've heard often about Aunt Shaba was how she went to shoot a BB gun in her yard just to scare off a neighborhood dog who was trespassing on her property, and she accidentally shot out the windshield of her little blue Volkswagen bug. Lots of other wonderful and spiritual things were said about her over the weekend, which I'll mention in a moment. But I think my aha moment was this morning when I realized why everything was resonating so tenderly in my spirit about this weekend. And I think it was this, y'all. Those are the kind of stories that are going to be told at my funeral. If you've been a listener of the podcast, a reader of my blog, or have known me on more than a casual level, You know well some of the unperfect things I've done and said, which eventually even led me to entitle my entire ministry, Unperfect. You've probably heard the stories of how I'd run into my own garage door more times than I'd like to admit, or how my PayPal account was shut down and investigated because I made what I thought was a really funny joke about Cuban cigars on it, Uh, or the time I accidentally texted one of my son's friend's dads that I got us a free beach getaway for a week. 
And that list goes on and on. And this morning, it just hit me. I've seen the future. I've seen my future. There will be no shortage of unperfect stories told about Shelly Sneed at her celebration of live service, whenever that happens to be. But y'all, it really made me think of how much God loves unperfect people and how he often chooses to use them over maybe even more qualified or dignified people. Because the other stories told about Aunt Chava all centered around the two things that she did best, loving Jesus and loving others. Her daughters mentioned this at her service, and the rest of us were just nodding our heads in agreement. Her life, when she wasn't shooting out windows or hitting helpless animals, was completely centered on those two things. And that's why during this weekend, though there were definitely tears and there was grief and there will continue to be, there was so, so, so much joy as well. And I just realized I want to live the rest of my life the way she lived all of hers. I'm recognizing that maybe because of some of the challenges I've experienced, they've made me a little bitter or selfish or even entitled. But as I continue to pursue Jesus passionately, I want it to look like love when I relate to my spouse, my family, my friends. I want to be selfless, not self-preserving. I want to give until it makes me laugh, not until it hurts. I want to make every person in my life feel valued, never an imposition, an inconvenience, or someone I'm just tolerating. Because that makes the imperfections unimportant. It makes the mistakes bearable, even laughable at times, because what remains is what is eternal. Windows can be replaced, as can pets. Don't tell my dog Rocket that. I said that. PayPal accounts reopened and crazy texts explained away, but the effects of living out the greatest two commandments given in the whole of Scripture, that's priceless. That's infinite. That's something that makes a life lived become a life lived well. So as I got to thinking about all of this this morning, I just decided I want to tell you about some other unperfect women. And if you've had access to a Bible for any amount of time, you've heard mention of these ladies. While their stories are familiar to many of us, just hang on, stay with me, because there's a reason I've chosen these five, and I'm going to briefly tell you about each one first. The first one is Tamar. So talk about an unperfect existence. After her first husband died and she remained childless, her second husband, who should have provided her with children to carry out his brother's legacy, was just too selfish to do that. God knew it, and he killed the dude. And in fear of losing his next son, her father-in-law kept back that which was rightfully hers. This opportunity for a lasting legacy that was everything to these women. In this culture, guys, it was their identity, their present, their future, their very glory, really. And she could have given in to bitterness, but instead she bravely trusts God for what only he could accomplish. She hatches this pretty elaborate scheme where she literally acts as a prostitute, which she knows full well could have her stoned if her father-in-law, Judah, chooses not to honor her right and his role as her kinsman redeemer. So thankfully, he does the right thing by her. But she shouldn't have had to reduce herself to the shame she experienced. But God redeems and restores her. You can read her story in Genesis 38. The second unperfect woman I want to mention today is Rahab. Most biblical scholars agree she was indeed a prostitute. And while we don't know the specifics on all that, we do know she was also a Gentile. She was living in one of the nations God had ordered to be leveled and obliterated. 
as Joshua was leading the Israelites to the promised land that God was giving over to them as they walked in obedience to him. Again, you probably know this story well. Joshua sends two spies over. She takes this incredible risk of hiding them and enabling their escape. But unlike the rest of her people in Jericho, she not only believes the stories of this miracle-making God of the Israelites, she puts her faith in him. What little she knew about the God of all creation, she trusted with all of her heart. And she boldly makes this pact with the spies to spare not only her life, but all of her family, brothers, sisters, parents, etc. Pretty selfless. We don't even know if they believed in God. And God redeems and restores her past by giving her a future and a hope. You can read her story in Joshua chapters 2 through 6. So the next unperfect woman I want to mention here is Ruth. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, she was pretty amazing. She's got a whole book in the Bible named after her. But let's just think for a second about her origins. This woman was a Moabite. The Moabites were not descendants of Abraham. They were descendants of his nephew Lot, who made a ridiculous amount of bad choices in his day. They worshipped uh, another deity named Kamash, not the one true God, Yahweh. Saul would end up fighting against the Moabites. David would too. They weren't God's chosen people. But Ruth is so convinced that Yahweh is who he says he is. She's willing to leave her people and their faith behind to follow her mother-in-law into what's probably going to be a penniless future of begging and loneliness in order to remain faithful to Naomi and to Naomi's God. And God redeems and restores her loneliness in a story that he writes with such grace and beauty, a story that ends up mirroring our own salvation in Christ. You can obviously read her story in the book of Ruth. The fourth unperfect woman that I want to mention today is Bathsheba. Now, can we just dispel the myth some of us were raised with that she was seductively bathing on a rooftop? Because at no time does the biblical narrative inspired by God place any blame on her for the events that follow. Scripture gives us every indication through its narrative of what transpires that she was never anything in this story but a victim of David's lust. Just read Nathan's analogy that gets David's attention and leads him to repentance. It's this picture of one man taking from another less powerful, poorer man that which never belonged to him in the first place. So you know the story. He sees her bathing. He wants her. He sends for her. He has sex with her. She gets pregnant. He has her husband killed, right, in an attempt to absolve him of responsibility. And then they end up losing this first child that they've created. But God, don't you just love those two words? But God redeems her and restores her from the shame of another's adultery to becoming the mother of the wisest man to ever live. And if you remember, it's her brave diligence that helps ensure that Solomon reaches his rightful throne when his brother tries to take it later. You can read her story in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. All right, the last woman I want to mention today is by far the most famous. She was, after all, the mother of Jesus. So we know Mary's story. She was put in quite a bind, by the world standards anyway, and had her fiancé chosen to care more about his reputation than the Word of God, well, the whole story gets rewritten. But God chooses a young but faith-filled girl to believe an incredible story that no one had even conceived would be written the way God was choosing to write it. 
And we get many stories of Mary throughout Scripture, and we see how God redeemed and restored her from heartache and loss by having the privilege of wiping the very nose and rear end of God himself. So many questions for this woman that I need answered in eternity on what on earth that must have been like. So I'd like to say I chose these women to mention to you today, but the truth is God chose them. Sometime, go take a closer look at Matthew chapter 1. This is where we see the genealogy of our Savior from Abraham all the way down to Jesus. It is mainly men's names. Abraham fathered Isaac, Isaac fathered Jacob, Asa fathered Jehoshaphat. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. Ahaz fathered Hezekiah, etc. We don't see Sarah's name. We don't see Rachel or Leah or any of the other great women of the faith that in this story. There are only five women listed in Matthew's account of Jesus' genealogy. Only five women who get their name put in the list of Jesus' ancestors. All the rest are men. And you know what I'm about to say. You know who these women are. The five unperfect women I just talked about. Tamar, a wronged woman in a prostitute's disguise. Rahab, the Gentile prostitute. Ruth, the Moabite. Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, who's the victim of adultery. And Mary, the young, unmarried girl who chose to accept God's plan as good and his love as something worth singing a new song about. God chose some unperfect women, y'all, and I'm pretty sure he did it on purpose. I think the God of the universe wants us to know that our humble, unperfect lives are worth so much to him. That the measure of our value is not rooted in our mistakes, our past, our parentage, our failures, our intellect, or our weaknesses. I think he wants us to know that all he needs to write a great story of redemption and restoration is a faith that says, I'm yours, God, let's do this. And a life that is purposefully lived and marked by passionate love for Jesus that results in unconditional love for others. That's just the kind of story he excels at writing. Just ask Aunt Shaba. She's there in eternity right now, reaping the benefits of living out that kind of love here on earth. Hopefully in a mansion wisely built on No Dog Road. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick rating and review. It only takes a second and it helps other unperfect people like us find the podcast so they can be encouraged too. As always, I'm praying you have a blessed week and are able to see glimpses of glory in the now and the not yet of your unperfect life. See you next time. If you sometimes struggle with living in the tension of the now and the not yet, I've got a free resource just for you called The Unperfect Promises of God. It's a printable download of five biblical meditations to help you find balance between the brokenness we live in and the hope that we have in Jesus. Just click on the link in the show notes and that printable download is yours free. Yay, we love free.